everybody, welcome back to PT Tech Talk Podcast. This is episode 67. And if you're looking for the intersection of physical therapy and technology, you are in the right place. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining us. If you've listened before and find this podcast valuable, go ahead and drop us a five-star review on iTunes. Hit subscribe on SoundCloud and YouTube. I'm one of two co-hosts. My name is Dave Kittle, physical therapist and partner at cashbasedphysicaltherapy.org with Ron Miller. And we are helping private practice owners and retain more cash paying patients. And as always, joined by my co-host, Rob Vining. Rob is a physical therapist and the founder of PT Live. PT Live is a live chat that allows prospective patients to chat with a physical therapist and schedule an evaluation right inside the app. You can check out ptlivechat.com. And tonight, before we bring on Rob, our guest, Ellen Bunn, a physical therapist currently using telehealth and not just dabbling, upwards of 20 hours per week of telehealth consults. She's also a doctor of physical therapy professor at UMass. And to learn more about Ellen, you can check out drellenbunn.com. That is D-R-E-L-L-E-N-B-U-N-N.com. And before we say hello and welcome on Ellen, I just want to say what's up to my co-host Rob Vining. Rob, what's up, man? Good internet connection today. This one should be great. I don't think there's been a faster growing group that I've been a part of. It's just exploding. Every month that goes by, it seems to be the topic. I even saw a tweet today um, that was talking about one of their professors that was supposed to teach a course got snowed in and they used basically a Zoom feature to get that professor to be there and teach the class. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it was quite interesting to see. And I think everybody's starting to have those light bulb moments go off and say, okay, time to start looking into this a little more. So we've got the perfect person here to walk us through Definitely. what it's going to look like in the future, maybe even a year from now, maybe even six months from now. So Ellen, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. And let's just go into a little bit of background about yourself as a physical therapist, as a professor, and then we'll just go in from there. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So yeah, I, I've been working as a telehealth therapist for a digital women's health clinic called Maven Clinic. So I've been doing that for the past couple of months while I've been teaching in the DPT program at UMass. Before that, I worked in a variety of different settings. I had um, a small cash-based clinic where I lived before and then I moved this summer. And at the time, I was kind of like, I would love to be able to retain some of my previous clients. And I looked into health coaching almost. I was like, maybe I can see some of them remotely. And then I realized, oh my gosh, telehealth is legal and it's up and coming. And there's so much I didn't know about it at the time. So I really invested a lot of time to learning everything that there was about telehealth, the laws, the regulations, that type of thing. And then I started working with Maven Clinic and just kind of researching other telehealth programs and everything that's out there. So that's kind of how I got into telehealth in the first place. And for the audience, let's go ahead and break down the top choice that you're going with, mavenclinic.com for them. Mm -hmm. The audience can go and check that out. And then yep. you also have previously worked on Amwell. Tell us like maybe the differences, the difference in onboarding a new physical therapist to potentially do some type of coaching or treatment or some type of uh, consults. And what was that process like for those two different venues and how you went about that? Absolutely. So Maven has an interview process, basically, and I also had to take a competency exam. They really serve women who are dealing with women's health issues. They have a large maternity health benefits program. So the test was very focused on women's health issues as well. So making sure that I am current on those topics. So there was a bit of an onboarding process with Maven Clinic. I think they want to make sure that their clinicians are of the best quality. 
versus American Well, it was more just kind of like I entered, you know, my basic information, my license, my state of practice, that kind of thing. And then from there, it was just getting the technology pieces squared away as opposed to so much of the, the clinical pieces. So that's a major difference. There's a lot of heavier clinical focus on Maven as opposed to American Well, it's just kind of you enter your information. I guess Maven might be doing a better job connecting with that little niche group Mm -hmm. versus Amwell is kind of a shotgun approach. And then they're hoping that everybody runs in and selects from that buffet of services a physical therapist, right? Yes, I think so. Maven's focus is women's health. So it starts with that core mission. I know they've done a lot of outreach Number one was employee benefits programs offering maternal health benefits, as well as they have a college ambassador program. So college age women have a place to go seeking questions about their women's health. With that mission focused on women's health, I think they've been able to really target a very expansive audience. And I think as well, they're, they're really marketing a lot towards college age women who are the audience that are going to prefer digital health anyway, because they're going to the internet for answers in the first place. But the, the clients I've seen on American Well, there's a bigger variety in the clientele, I would say. Right. One thing that we didn't even cover in the beginning, how are these telehealth clients and patients even finding Maven Clinic in the first place? Like, how do they get into that ecosystem? I'm just curious as to how they're even finding that source. I think Kate Ryder, the CEO and the team at Maven have done a really nice job of advertising this in in the appropriate ways, advertising it to sort of the target market that would be most interested in the use of it through their college ambassador programs. So having, you know, local college women advocating for the program, I think is one very effective strategy. They also have a really nice patient forum as well. So if you are having any women's health questions, you can go onto the patient forum and and you can get your questions answered right away. So that's a a really nice feature as well that I think is driving a lot of web traffic because people are going to the internet for answers to their questions anyway. I mean, (laughs) I've done it so many times too, even just like asking within a Facebook group, hey, how do I do this one thing? They're going to the internet for the answers to those questions anyway. So the patient forum is a nice aspect as well. And I think they do have a lot of employee benefits programs too. So, you know, employers are interested in making sure they retain women postpartum and and after their maternity leave, making sure that their employees are supported with their maternity benefits too. So those maternity benefits are a really nice component and a really nice adjunct to Maven Clinic. Right. It's surprising. I think a question that I've gotten often as a, a clinician on Maven I have women who are pregnant for the first time and they don't know what they can and cannot do for exercise. So it's just a matter of giving them that education of, okay, don't be doing crunches. How do you modify your current exercise program now that you are pregnant? And then also postpartum asking questions about how can they get back into their previous level of exercise safely and without, without injuring themselves. So What was surprising to me is that this is not common knowledge, that this is not part of regular prenatal care. And I think that is largely due to the obstetricians just don't have enough time with their patients to be able to provide that extra level of education. So that maternity program, I think, is one that's really nice that Maven offers. You're dead on. That should be 
one component of that experience pre or postpartum. And they should kind of have you or have someone like you as a resource that's just an app away, like a button away. Mm. For the clients that you've seen recently on Maven Clinic, is it mostly they're paying out of pocket? Because I know you mentioned the pre-interview, it's $25 per 25 minute session. So in an hour or two, you could see a handful of patients uh, Mm -hmm. without leaving your home, without leaving your office. So are most of the patients that you are seeing, are they paying out of pocket for this service? Is there any reimbursement through insurance at all? Maybe it depends on the state or is this through flex spending accounts or companies that are allowing this to be an option for their employees? I think most patients are paying out of pocket. They do offer a lot of promotions. For example, there was one month where all nutrition consults were free, just as a way to promote and get awareness and build more of a client base for their website and for their services. They also offer employee benefits too. So if you are an employer and you're contracted with Maven, they offer certain benefits to employees as well. So it is, it's $25 for a 20-minute consultation. So feasibly, you could see three consults in an hour. And what is also great is that $25 is approximately the amount of a copay anyway. Right. Um, and I had messaged the CEO of Maven, Kate Ryder, because I was on the train in downtown Boston a few weeks back, and I overheard these college days women talking to each other. I wasn't like eavesdropping too much. I'm not too sure what they were talking about exactly. But then I heard one of them go to the other, just book it on Maven. It's going to be cheaper. And I was like, wow, that is a good point. If you have a $40 copay, then it is cheaper to book an appointment on Maven. And they do have prescription services. They have nurse practitioners. They have nutrition. They have a variety of really great clinical services on there. So depending on what you're looking for, I think there's a service for most women. Right. And like we were saying before the show started, when you allowed me to demo how Maven actually worked, you got in, you're like, okay, I opened up a spot for you. And then all of a sudden you're like, is your name X name? I won't say the name, but I was like, no, that's not me. And he said, oh crud, somebody just reserved something right before you. Hold on a sec. I'll finish this treatment and then I'll show you how the system works. I mean, there's a huge demand. Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime I've, I've opened up availability on Maven, I, I get patients in pretty quickly. There's obviously a little bit more traffic in evenings and weekends as well, because people tend to be busier during the workday. But as I get into the afternoon and evening, that's when, when patients are pretty interested in booking. Everyone wants something on a click of a button these days. So it's getting what they need the most at the click of a button. It's amazing. So for you, it's, it's taking a lot of like, not trouble, but it's just, it's taking any of your extra time. Like you don't even have to worry about finding or prospecting or getting these new patients. Like if you had an office, like there's just this lead generation of clients and patients coming towards you. And that's probably more on the technical side of what Maven's doing, which is great. And with like SEO and Google and all that, right. Are the patients and clients that you're seeing, are they mostly one-offs or are are these individuals that want to check in with you every week? How frequent or infrequent are these follow-ups, if any at all? Very good question. So right now, I'd say the majority of patients are one-offs. They are just interested in getting a few questions answered. And then I do typically send them like an HEP to go, like a few quick exercises that they could work on at home. I've had a handful of people follow up with me after and just doing check-ins and saying, hey, I've been doing the exercises. How can I progress? That kind of thing. But for the most part, it's patient education and giving the patients the information that they need. I think a lot of times patients are going to WebMD to self-diagnose and 
and then they're like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on or I don't know what I need. So then I'm educating the patient to say, here's what I think might be going on based on how you present, the information you've given me. I even can walk them through a variety of special tests depending on the condition. For example, I had a patient who had like a thumb injury. So I was like, okay, can you do the ligament tests and everything seemed good? There's no sweat. You know, so you can do some assessments remotely. And then large component I would say is triage as well. So you're saying, okay, here's what your symptoms sound like. Based on that, I would recommend you try this. If it is someone who needed more hands-on treatment, I would refer them to a local clinic. Or it might be, maybe they just need a massage or something. If it doesn't sound like it's a, a major musculoskeletal issue and you know they don't need to be added to a huge plan of care, then it's just kind of triaging them to whatever service it is that they may need. Right. Having that ability to be that first point of contact. And we all say mm-hmm. in, as physical therapists that we are the ultimate triage because we know without a shadow of a doubt, you know, when somebody comes in and it's something that is not in our ballpark, it's pretty few, far between and rare that a physical therapist is actually going to sit there and say, well, you know, I could treat you. It might sound like a cancer or something you need imaging on but we get them out the door to the right place at the right time. Um, That's what I think our field is so good at. But switching topics a little bit, let's talk a little bit about the students that you're talking to and and educating at UMass, especially about the telehealth setting. And, you know, it used to be that in the DPT program or in the, the PT program I was in, we didn't learn anything about home health. So this was, you know, 14, 15 years ago, we learned zero home health. So I'm wondering if now this day and age, telehealth is kind of rare, just like home health was back then. How are the students acknowledging or are they asking you questions about telehealth? Go into that a little bit if you can. Well, I think UMass, where where I teach, has a very strong interest in digital health. You know, the department has made like statements that they do have interest telehealth and digital health. So that being the case, whereas the department is so supportive of that too, I think the students reflect that as well. So they have been interested. So I've given two lectures uh, to the third year and second year students on, on telehealth and how I've been using it clinically and some of the current research on telehealth. And for the most part, they were very responsive. You know, my general advice was that they probably should get a little bit of clinical experience before they go full telehealth. I think that having a breadth of clinical experience under my belt enables me to triage patients better because I can hear clinical signs and symptoms and say, oh, you sound like 95 other people that I've seen with this exact same thing. And therefore, I know with confidence that this is probably what's going on. So, you know, I am advising them because they they do seem excited about it and interested in it. Um, I think, you know, they're millennials, they're interested in anything digital. So with that being said, they're kind of eager to hear more. I think they do have some hesitations because they've also realized that right now they really kind of have a, they do everything very systematically. They're like, okay, you you do this, then you do this. And, you know, so I got to do these three special tests with this thing, you know, so everything's kind of very systematic for them at this point. So it is a little bit of an interesting concept for them because they're like, well, how am I going to do this special test? And I actually brought up the point too, that you, you were talking about, whereas if you have like a PTA on site or someone else in the clinic that can get their hands on that patient and, and give you some of that hands-on information, that's a possible way around that. Cause sometimes those PTAs know exactly how to feel for those pathologies and, and different things that come up yep. if you can't be on site to do it yourself. So there's, there's definitely ways around that, but 
I do think there are candidates that are not great telehealth patients. You know, I I had an assessment with a woman who had a lot of complex medical issues. And so with her, I said, you know, I I can give you some general guidance, but I do think you need a, a home health evaluation. It sounds like you could really benefit from that more daily or more regular hands-on intervention. You can't guard patients remotely. You can't do manual therapy remotely. So those patients who require that, you know, it's making sure to triage them to the appropriate place. Have you thought about with that particular patient when you say, you know what, you may not be a right fit for this because it sounds like you need a lot more in-person clinical evaluation and assessment and, and treatment did you offer some ways to potentially help that individual or maybe she had some agencies that she is maybe aware of or an office nearby where she could go if she was doing either outpatient or in your clinical opinion, you said maybe you require an in-person home evaluation. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like just riffing, like what would be other options after this? Could there be another company that you could refer to and then they refer telehealth patients to you and then you're referring in-home patients? I'm just curious as to like, is that something you see often? Like maybe... Is it 10% of the time where maybe they're not the right fit for telehealth or is it, uh, is it half of the time? No, I would say it's really probably more like 10% of the time. I think patients kind of know for the most part when they're coming for telehealth, they kind of know like, okay, this is just something I need a few questions answered. I don't necessarily need to be you know, under a regular plan of care. I haven't seen too many post-surgical patients and those kinds of patients that would be in, in a regular plan of care anyways. But I do think there's a lot of opportunity there you know, with creating a referral network of in-person and telehealth clinics. I think that's a great idea and, and something that could be a potential expansion of this in the future. And I'm definitely open to partnerships with local places. What I did is I just went on Google and I looked for local home health agencies in her area and I sent her a few links. Also, you know, with her permission, contacted her PCP as well and said, look, I spoke with your patient. It sounds like there's a little bit more going on. I would recommend home health. He agreed. And I think the referral process went from there. That's perfect. Yeah. Honestly, that's why we brought you on the show is because you're so well versed in the actual coordination and the care, the part of care that a lot of PTs don't really grasp that concept yet of using telehealth and how do I fit into this? A lot of us are still stuck in the old model of my hands fix everything. I have to have the patient in front of me. They're going to drive to my clinic three times a week. And there's a majority of us, or not a majority, I'd say it's still a minority of us that still want to push it towards telehealth and convenience for that specific population because we know we can help them or we can triage them. And I know that you've been getting a lot of requests, at least I know Will Boyd, shout out to Will, was really asking you about that presentation that you did at UMass to your students. Mm -hmm. When we had talked and we actually had to delay this podcast for a week, you apparently made a whole webinar and developed a whole site to help others kind of get that information that you were giving to your students. Can you go into that a little bit and talk about the website that you actually popped up in a week here? I'm looking at it, it looks great. Well, thank you. <laughs> I tried to move quickly. Yeah. Um, I did these lectures for the PT students and I figured it has a lot of clinical pearls in it and it has a lot of best available evidence too. I'm really big on evidence-based practice. So when you mentioned you know, the desire to be really hands-on, well, if you look at some of the, the best available evidence out there as well, one of the most effective treatments is patient education. So there was just this huge, huge multiple study systematic review of 70 systematic reviews, the highest level evidence on effective treatments for low back pain. And the most effective treatments for low back pain were patient education, 
psychosocial interventions and therapeutic exercise. And I thought all three of these things I can do via telehealth. It says nothing about manual therapy. It says nothing about requiring some sort of intervention that cannot be done via telehealth. So it's using that best available evidence. And this webinar includes a lot of current evidence, includes a lot of studies that have been done using telehealth. And the control group was traditional PT, basically, for pretty much all these studies. There were studies saying that patients are just as satisfied with their telehealth treatment as compared to in-person treatment. And studies saying it's just effective for a variety of conditions. If you're, you are interested in the webinar, I took the, the lectures that I put together for the DPT students and on my homepage at drellenbunn.com, the first thing it says, sign up here to get your webinar. If you just fill in your name and email, it will be emailed right to you. Awesome. Dr. Ellen Bunn, D-R-L-N-Bunn with two N's.com. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to just clarify something. We mentioned patient education earlier. And in the pre-interview, you mentioned there's education, like patient education only, which any therapist could potentially do. So if a patient is in New York, then you, Ellen, being in Boston, you could potentially see that patient. Are they requesting that it's patient education only, or is there mm-hmm. some filtering process? Because as everyone else listening knows, if you're going to be conducting some type of diagnostic treatment, some type of intervention, then the therapist and the patient have to be in the same state. Yes. So I am not a lawyer, but I do know that there are ways. Full disclosure. (laughs) (laughs) Limited liability. Yes, exactly. So my understanding is that if you are just providing patient education as a consult, that is something the patient can consent to ahead of time and say, look, I'm going to Dr. Google anyway. I might as well get a real person to answer my questions in front of me. But I know that this does not count as clinical diagnosis or clinical treatment. So when they request the appointment, they either can say, I just want education or I want treatment. So if they're looking for treatment or prescriptions, then I think the app will triage them to someone locally. If they're just looking for patient education, then they can be triaged to anyone who is on Maven. That protects you and it probably protects Maven as well. So you as a therapist and and the company. Right. And that'll all change whenever the physical therapy licensure compact goes into play the middle of next year. So all this could be changed in about five or six months. Yes. Going on to a different topic, let's talk about the future of physical therapy and telehealth. Let's say one year, five years, however many years out you think. Expand on that a little bit. Give the audience an idea of what you think. You being the person that's actually seeing 20 hours of patient interaction through telehealth every week, what do you see the future of our profession in regards to the implementation and use of telehealth? Yeah, absolutely. I think most outpatient clinics may start to get on this trend and realize the value that it can add to the patients that are under their present care. So say, for example, something like home exercise program adherence monitoring. Like we all know patients don't necessarily do their home exercises after discharge. What? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Shocking, right? So it's a great way to be like, okay, I've done my best with you. I'm ready to discharge you, but let's have a few telehealth calls at the end of our plan of care to make sure you're doing your exercises at home and maybe that can increase home exercise program adherence. I think that most clinics can start to offer this because I think the patients definitely see the value in it. You know, there's patients who just can't make it that many times a week for that many appointments perhaps, and especially patients with complex medical conditions who are seeing a variety of medical providers. This is a way to meet those patients where they're at, improve patient accessibility so that 
patients can get the care that they might not have been able to get otherwise. I think that many clinics will start to utilize this. I was at a digital health event earlier this fall, and I was chatting with a, a major hospital in the area that has a big telehealth program already built into it. And they were like, oh, we've never heard of PTs using it. So I was educating them on how, how I've been using it clinically. And, you know, I think that they will then start to roll it out in-house. So I definitely think that clinics will smarten up and think, okay, we can incorporate this in-house and start to offer this as a value add for patients and as a way to increase accessibility. That move to value-based care, I think, is a definite transition in the future of healthcare as well. Yeah, for sure. Ellen, in regards to anyone listening right now or watching on YouTube, if someone wanted to reach out to you directly, what's the best way for them to do that? You can reach me by email. It's drdrellenpt at gmail.com. You could check out the website, drellenbun.com. That's D-R-E-L-L-E-N-B-U-N-N. Email's great. LinkedIn as well. You could find me on LinkedIn, Ellen Bunn. Those are all great ways. Oh, and let's just remind everyone, what's the current Facebook group that we're all engaging in in regards to telehealth? Oh, there's a few. So we've got, um, and Tony Maritato, who we're going to have to have on soon to talk a little bit about telehealth. (laughs) Really? Mr. MacGyver PT himself. (laughs) That man's ridiculous. Telehealth physical therapy providers is the big one. Right. And then there's concierge telehealth-PT. That's another one. And then telehealth CI. That's another one. So all these groups are popping up. They'll have good information, but the whole reason we got you on here is because we wanted to hear it from the source of somebody actually doing this on a consistent basis. 20 hours a week, which is insane. Like that's why Rob wanted to bring on Ellen. Rob, thank you so much for making this happen and connecting more with Ellen. It's great to have Ellen on here and we definitely have to have you back sometime soon, Ellen. So for Rob and I here at PT Tech Talk episode 67, Ellen, thank you so much for your time and everyone else, thank you for your time and attention and listening. Thank you so much. All right, perfect. Good wrap. Nice. Awesome. All right.